0: Hey, so I know a guy. He's got this amazing machine. It gives you an exact personalized readout of your personality, your strengths and weaknesses written out on a piece of paper.
1: Bill, come on over here. I need a a patient to try this out today to see if it's going to work.
0: It's just like those chairs people sit in at salons with the plastic domes. Except the dome's not plastic. It's metal, equipped with state-of-the-art sensors. Just flip a switch and the sensors will read your skull.
1: Now think clean thoughts, here we go now. Keep breathing now, you're doing fine.
0: In just a few minutes, this machine will measure 32 of your mental faculties and rate them all on a scale of one to five, from deficient to very superior.
1: Well, it says uh, you have a few things to work on they are not too serious though.
0: Everything from your individuality, to self-esteem, ambition, faith.
1: And uh, your faith is way too high, Bill. Be careful you're not swept off your feet by some
2: evangelist.
0: Now that's an overview of your personality. I'm Sarah Wyman, and this is Atlas Obscura, a celebration of the world's strange, incredible, and wondrous places. Today, we're trying out the miracle cures of the Museum of Questionable Medical Devices in St. Paul, Minnesota. It was maybe the world's largest collection of fraudulent, nefarious, or otherwise ineffectual medical machinery. And while it sounds like a good time, watch your step. Because in the words of its founder, Bob McCoy, nonsense is a dangerous thing. More after this. Last time, I took a road trip. How many national parks could I hit in two weeks? What about hotels? Wait, hey, Erica, how much am I spending on travel?
1: When your questions about life turn into questions about money, there's Erica, the virtual financial assistant to help you spend, save, and plan smarter. Only from Bank of America. What would you like the power to do? Erica is only available in the English language. You must download the latest version of the mobile banking app, only available on select mobile devices. Your chat may be recorded and monitored for quality assurance. Message and data rates and additional terms may apply. Bank of America and A member FDIC.
2: along with the tales of famous outlaws like Butch Cassidy and pioneers like Buffalo Bill Cody. The truth lies west. Discover yours at TravelWyoming.com.
0: For as long as there have been medical ailments, there have been bogus ways of curing them. You've got doctors who tried their best, but just had some really bad ideas. And then there were the hucksters, who really just wanted to make money off of some desperate people. Bob McCoy was fascinated with all of them.
1: You know, he's one part scientist, two parts carny. Heather McCoy is Bob McCoy's daughter. My dad loved an oddball. He loved a freak. And so he just had a knack for making friends and connections with outsiders.
0: Bob was a little bit of an oddball himself, a really fascinating, funny guy, but also kind of hard to pin down. Before he founded the Museum of Questionable Medical Devices, he started out as a soap
1: salesman. Yes, Procter & Gamble. So we learned how to make a sale. He was also an atheist
0: who was licensed to perform weddings.
1: He performed a lot of gay weddings in the 70s, um, which, of course, unfortunately had no legal standing.
0: And Bob had this more serious, kind of morally righteous side to him, too. In the 1960s, he ran an underground abortion referral service out of his house. Heather remembers him taking calls during dinner from women who were bleeding out after botched procedures. He tried to get them help, and access to safe and legal abortions from doctors in Canada, Mexico, and Japan.
1: He was very, very strongly motivated by empathy for people who were suffering. That was a a strong motivator for him in terms of, you know, the education angle of the museum.
0: The museum's roots go back to the mid-1960s. Bob stumbled upon a guy who had a bunch of phrenology machines in his garage and he needed to get rid of them fast.
1: The whole family was livid. The father had sold all of his stock in a burgeoning company, Minnesota Mining and Manufacturing, 3M, sold all his stock in 3M to invest in these phrenology machines because phrenology was going to be the wave of the future. Phrenology is a
0: pseudoscience that's been around a couple hundred years. The idea in a nutshell is that a doctor can get a sense of your personality by feeling around the dents and bumps on your head. And they designed machines to do that, like the one we talked about at the beginning of this episode. The phrenology machines Bob bought in this man's garage were from the early 1900s and the 1920s. The machines did not work. But Bob, who, by the way, also fixed cars in his spare time, he hauled them home anyway. And he managed to reanimate the broken pieces of metal.
1: It started out kind of as a party gag in our living room. You know, he they'd have these parties and people would come over and he would do this, this reading and say, oh, well, your inquisitiveness is very high, you know, and kind of do the reading. And of course, it was his delivery that was so... Um, entertaining. In
0: 1984, Bob managed to get some space in a new shopping center in Minneapolis. He set up the phrenology machines and started charging for readings.
1: Part of his mission was to educate and to cultivate skepticism. The huge, massive irony is that at the museum, he was so good at doing the phrenology readings that people would people say, it's true, it's real, you've completely encapsulated who I am. And he's like, no, I am trying to show you that, you know, you can just, you know, you can read a person on the spot, you can read their intentions and what they want to hear. And, And, you know, he was a master at that. Bob's wife, who was a
0: pediatrician, bankrolled the whole operation. Heather and her brothers worked in the shop after school. And they all thought interest in the phrenology parlor would fizzle out after a couple of weeks. But soon, other people started bringing Bob old machines they found in their attics. They put Bob in touch with families of medical device inventors.
1: He made friends at the FDA, and the FDA would invite him to come and do little demos for them at, say, conferences. And then they would be like, hey, Bob, we got uh, uh, some new leaflets in. Check these out. And so he would really started to really amass a huge collection.
0: By the late 1980s, Bob had collected over 300 artifacts of medical quackery, The phrenology parlor was now a museum of questionable medical devices, documenting hundreds of years' worth of truly terrible ideas. Again, some of these came from doctors who really thought they were helping. Like Bob's collection of fleams, for example. They look kind of like bottle openers, except um, they're for popping open people's veins to help with bloodletting, draining blood out of humans which, by the way, was a way doctors had treated their patients since, like, the 5th century B.C. But a lot of Bob's collection came from the other side of quackery, an art form that came into its own in the mid and late 1800s. In America, hucksters deliberately took advantage of people to make money.
3: Oh, when this baby boy was born, he seemed a little sickly.
0: This is a recording of an old medicine song, Entertainers would travel from town to town, pose as doctors, and sing and perform in front of crowds. Some of them even had fake medical degrees.
1: I thought we'd lose our little chap if she'd not do her duty. But thanks to
3: Dr. Ridge's food, he's grown to be a beauty. Yes, I think Dr. Ridge,
0: By the 1900s, this showmanship and the big promise of miracle cures had evolved from traveling medicine shows to product lines with companies and advertising budgets behind them. And some of the cures these quacks were selling were actively dangerous, like um, the radium or revigator, radium water.
2: Radioactivity makes you feel oh so healthy.
3: It was thought that um, radium, a radioactive substance, could cure all. And anytime you hear the word cure all, you should probably be wary. Lori Fink is the chair of science at the Science Museum of
0: Minnesota. She visited Bob McCoy's museum when she was a kid, and his collection of radium revigators. Basically, these big ceramic water jugs lined with radium that you could buy until the 1930s.
3: And so people would put water in there, let it absorb in the radium and then drink it for health. So that's something that is truly dangerous.
0: Electricity and other new technology opened up even more possibilities for medical scam artists. Bob's museum was full of machines with blinking lights that made impressive sounding beeping and whirring noises.
3: Like Ruth Drown's radionics machine. She had this machine that people would come and bring their blood samples and she would tell them what's wrong with it. And it has all these dials and knobs and slots and wires and all this stuff. In the 1930s,
0: radio waves were viewed as this really promising, cutting-edge technology. But the thing about Ruth's drown-home radionics kit is that it was basically a glorified shoebox.
3: Turns out, if you turn the thing around and take it apart, there is nothing on the other side of those wires and dials and all of that. And she would tell people, like oh, your kid has smallpox, or oh, your child has... it. Like, she just would make up these diseases. And she had no idea what was actually going on. She had no idea. Zero. And so Bob McCoy took that and he put Christmas lights behind it. So you'd see all these things light up, but it was literally this hollow cabinet. Bob McCoy was the
0: perfect tour guide for this mix of wacky and disturbing history.
1: If he wasn't there, it just wasn't the same experience. This, again, is his daughter, Heather McCoy. You know, we could operate the devices and explain them, but there was nothing like him demonstrating the devices. He knew how to demonstrate them. He had encyclopedic knowledge of the history, but he knew how to entertain people.
2: We found my next guest in this book right here, Offbeat Museums. This gentleman is the curator of the Museum of Questionable Medical Devices. In
0: the late 80s and 90s, Bob and his collection of quacks became this recurring feature on late-night talk shows.
2: Uh, He's here tonight with an assortment of medical devices that will at once amaze, entertain, and inform you. Please welcome Robert W. McCoy. Mr. McCoy.
1: He was able to stay kind of in character and wasn't face it, and he was inv- invited back on many occasions. Now, this is actually measuring your head and rating your character, one through five. Yeah. One being
2: deficient, five being superior. I see. Are we done? You no, know, it's still running. Just so, sit tight. Uh, it, can it do anything about the part in my hair? Well, yeah. <laughs> We can give it a Marcel wave if you'd like. Oh, a oh, Marcel see. wave. All right, just
3: give it
0: You can back. tell from watching these clips that Bob was clearly in on the joke. He knew that these weird and misguided devices were funny to talk about and look at.
1: He was very careful not to denigrate the people who had been swindled or victimized in some cases. You know, they were in many ways a cautionary tale for him. And he had a sense of respect for those people. And uh, I am proud to say was not laughing at them. and. He did not attack misguided people. He saved his vitriol for people in positions of power, people that were victimizing and taking advantage of other people's gullibility.
0: Around 2000, when Bob was 73 years old, he started showing signs of Alzheimer's.
1: And in fact, the way that my mom knew that that he had a form of dementia was that he suddenly became Um, unable to describe certain medical devices. And so she would be with him at the museum and watching him interact with visitors and notice that he was repeating the same stories or uh, was confusing stories.
3: Bob's wife, Margaret, encouraged him to try and find a new home for the museum. I used to go to his museum, the Museum of Questional Medical Devices, as a kid, so I had interacted with him then. This is Lori Fink again from the Science
0: Museum of Minnesota. Before he died, Bob McCoy donated his entire collection to the museum. Today, it lives on as an exhibit called Weighing the Evidence. Laurie Fink and the team that developed it tried to stay true to the spirit of Bob's museum.
3: Can you describe what we're seeing here a little bit?
0: Yeah, so this
3: is... We sent our executive executive producer, Doug Baldinger, over Uh, to the museum to check it out. Or We've used some of the old cases that were in Bob McCoy's um, museum. So that's this darker The design
0: is sort of old-timey, with dark wood furniture and hanging pendant lights. But it doesn't feel serious. There's a neon sign off to the side that spells out Quackery Museum in a wacky font. And just like in Bob's museum,
3: this is the kind of exhibit that you're supposed to touch. Yeah, so here's the vibrating chair. And remind me, what is uh, the the intent of this machine? Well, you know, there's there's everything from just overall feeling better for general health, but particularly constipation. Okay, so this is gonna help with my Yeah, so just squeeze the handle. There's a little button there. And if you were oh, okay. to talk right now, you'd be Okay. Very... Yeah, all right. I think I feel... I mean, it does... It feels like something. <laughs> <You're> right. <laughs> it does feel like something is
0: happening. Uh, you come to the museum for the vibrating chair, to peek under the hood of the phrenology machine, and to laugh at Ruth Drown's hollow radionics kit. But you stay for a healthy dose of skepticism. And in that way, the Museum of Quackery and Questionable Medical Devices and Bob McCoy actually have a lot in common. The fun is what gets you in the door. The neon sign, the weird machines, the carnival barker. It's all over the top and funny and ridiculous. But then both Bob and the museum have a deeper layer. They invite you to explore what's lurking under the surface to consider the dangerous side of nonsense and who it hurts most. We are still dealing with quackery and questionable medical devices today, whether it's Miracle Coronavirus Cures or the latest wellness product being advertised in your Instagram feed. And Bob and his museum would say, Be curious. Ask questions. Don't be scared. Figure out how this stuff works or doesn't work. And then, armed with that information, put your faith in science. Thank you to Lori Fink, Carolyn Robinson, and Heather McCoy. And special thanks also to Doug Baldinger, our resident questionable medical device test subject. And let me tell you, he was shocked by some of the
3: stuff he saw at the museum. And so people use this to, um, oh. <laughs> to grow their hair. This to grow. Yes. Uh, um, so. For
0: what it's worth, in the month or so since Doug touched the electric shock tube, he says his hair has grown longer. But then again, so yeah. is mine. So
3: it's, um, <laughs> it looks like an electric. Maybe what an electric. Know,
0: the rest of our production team includes Camille Stanley, Tracy Samuelson,
2: Manolo Morales, John Delore, Peter Clowney, Dylan Therese
0: Our technical director is
2: Casey Holford.
0: Our theme and end credit music is by Sam Tyndall. This episode was sound designed by
2: Chris Naka
0: and mixed by
2: Luce Fleming.
0: Our podcast is a co-production of Atlas Obscura and Witness Docs. I'm Sarah Wyman. Thanks for listening.
1: Witness Docs from Stitcher.
2: Escape to Ocean City, Maryland.